turn to the Lord in prayer before we open his living word. Dear Father, truly, these words that we are about to read, the book that we are about to open is a living word. It's not simply the printed letters on a page, dear Father, but it is the word taken in and believed and trusted for life that is living. And dear Father, we pray that it would, would be so this afternoon hour, that it would be a living word. Because we need it, dear Father. We are in a dry and a desert place. We're in a, in a, a, a strange and foreign land. And we long to hear about our homeland. We long to hear about the good that is planned. We long to hear for the hope that is available here and now. For the light that we so desperately need to light our way. Those that sit, as we heard this morning, in gross darkness, we pray the light would dawn upon them. We know the living word is Jesus Christ. And we pray that he would be worshipped this afternoon hour, that he would be praised and adored, that we would not look at each other and consider man, but that we would look to our risen Lord and Savior, who has promised to be here. He's never failed in any of his promises and he won't fail in this one we trust. We pray this in his name, amen. I'd like to uh, meditate a, a little portion with the Lord's help with, with some further Old Testament prophecy. Um, partly what I meditated upon last week when I was in Glencoe, and we'll see if the Lord has some, something further to say here. That's in the last book of the Old Testament, in Malachi. Chapter 3, a portion. Chapter 4, a portion. I mentioned last week that um, often it's someone's last words to you. If you haven't seen them for a while, that's that ring in your ears or echo in your ears. And these were God's last words to his people for 400 years. And I'm sure they rung in their, their ears as they, those that were longing. So, chapter 3, verse 1. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom he seeks shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom he delight in. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. But who may abide the day of his coming? And who shall stand when he appeareth? For he is like a refiner's fire, like fuller's soap. And he shall sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. And he shall purify the sons of Levi. And purge them as gold and silver, that they may offer unto the Lord an offering in righteousness. Then shall the offering of Judah and Jerusalem be pleasant unto the Lord, as in the days of old and as in former years. Let's skip down to the end of the fourth chapter here. The last. Let's read the whole chapter of chapter four. It's short. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch, 
but unto you that fear my name. Shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings? And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall, and ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. And here in this version of the Bible at the end, it's printed here, the end of the prophets. And so it is. May God bless the reading of his word. I don't know how many of you like puzzles. I like puzzles. I like a big puzzle when I have the time, and (laughs) I don't. (laughs) Maybe when when we had fewer children, it seemed like we had that luxury sometimes to to do a puzzle. seems like a waste of time for some people. I don't know. It's just a, a diversion. But part of why I like a puzzle is that as you pick up a piece and you look at it and you try to figure out where it's uh, going to fit, you, you have some idea. Um, if it's one that's got a, sh- a flat edge, you know, okay, it's going to go on the, the perimeter of the puzzle. And okay, I, I usually start that way and I do the perimeter of the puzzle and figure it out. And so you... you um, Take up this piece, and you have no idea. And then slowly, as the puzzle assembles itself, you go, okay, that was, it, it starts to coalesce, starts to make more and more sense, right? Well, imagine, okay, that's a 2D puzzle. Now imagine a 3D puzzle. And a few of you, if you've done those, those are even more intricate, right? Three dimensions. The Old Testament prophets are like a, a 4D puzzle. These verses that we read here, I'm sure they were picked up by these people that the, the Lord's people, God's people, and, and wondered over and puzzled at as they read these verses and scratched their heads. And some things seemed clear and some things didn't. And how is this all going to fit together? And you and I, brother and sister, we, um, we have a real great advantage over those people living before the New Testament. We don't see the whole picture yet. We were reminded this morning that of the, a lot of those prophecies, uh, they're like when you're looking at something and you're seeing multiple mountain peaks and they're kind of collapsed into one. The, from that viewpoint, it looks like one, but as time goes by, you see, oh, there's a whole range of mountain peaks that fit into that. In the same way, these verses, there's a whole, there's multiple fulfillments. God is fitting his puzzle pieces, and he has a plan that was created from before the world began, a whole plan of how this thing all fits together. And to his honor and to his glory, he's taking these pieces and making it more and more apparent to us as he fits one in. And, and oh, it fits not only in this dimension, it fits in this dimension too. It's to the praise and the honor of his glory and his grace. For instance, 
I, I mentioned this last week, but this first verse that we read here, Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant whom ye delighted. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. You read that verse, and you think, okay, there's a messenger. One messenger, that I assume that's what we're... You know, you read it, that's the, the, the simple reading, you're talking about a messenger. But there's actually, we now understand, on this side of the cross, on this side of, of Jesus Christ, that there's two messengers, actually. There's three separate actors in this verse. Three, take it apart with me for a little bit. Behold, I will send my messenger, and he shall prepare the way before me. There is one messenger that's coming before, the, the one who's speaking. And the Lord whom ye seek shall suddenly come to his temple, even the messenger of the covenant. Now it's talking about someone who is a messenger of the covenant, whose the temple is, who, to whom the temple belongs. And that's not the first messenger. Behold, he shall come, saith the Lord of hosts. A third actor. There's a messenger who's preparing the way. There's a messenger of the covenant who the, to whom the temple belongs to. And then the Lord of hosts is saying, behold, he shall come. How could someone in the Old Testament understand this? Picking up that piece, that puzzle piece and looking. I have absolutely no idea. It's only in the light of the gospel. <laughs> Just you have to read the first verse of the gospel of Mark. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Okay, that's two of the actors. As it is written in the prophets, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare thy way before thee, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. And he leads on and clarifies that's John the Baptist. Three separate actors. It's now clear. This piece, oh, I understand how it fits. It all starts to fit together. And that started with John the Baptist after those 400 years of silence, of being left with this final prophecy, this final warning from the Lord, promise and warning, I will send Elijah before the great and terrible day of the Lord, um, and, and lest I smite the earth with a curse, right? That was the final word that's mentioned there. So we have these puzzle pieces, which we understand a bit more now. We can... We can fit them in, but this isn't just um, a pastime, an amusement, something you occupy your, your time with and say, well, I, uh, um, I like to dabble in Old Testament prophecy now and I understand. No, no, no. These pieces, these individual verses, they have, uh, I fit into them too. <laughs> I have a part where I fit into these individual verses. I'm part of this piece. I'm part of this assemblage of God that he's making. Where I stand now at this point in 2023 in December, I'm part of that fitting in of God's plan. I am too a messenger, a messenger of the covenant. Last week I meditated a little bit on, on John the Baptist and who he was and why he was specifically chosen and just um just what a remarkable character he was. But really, there is so much we can learn from his life, too, as messengers. And, and what I left the, the, the congregation there with, the assembly of, of believers that were there, it was mostly us. But uh, the burden I left them with, I, I believe, was 
are we being like John the Baptist? Because we are messengers of his second coming, of his second advent, his coming that is to come. Just as John the Baptist is this, this voice crying in the wilderness, this, 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 this little uh, cracking of the door of, a, of a, a ray of light shining through into the darkness, it's the same way here and now in 2023. We are those forerunners. We need that same consecration, that same dedication that, that John the Baptist has had. Where you actually, Jesus Christ said, we're, we're greater than he is. He's, he was among them that are born of, of women. There's none greater than John the Baptist, but I say unto you, he that is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. And I understand that to me is that we have a, even a greater responsibility now to herald his second coming. We were given uh, um, that task because the second time he comes, that will be it. That's the end of everything. That's the great and terrible day of the Lord that's spoken of here. This, this, who shall stand when he appeareth? The, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven in chapter 4. I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. That is, the, the second coming is the one with the most, um, it's final. I, I don't know how to, to say it clearly more clearly than that. John the Baptist heralded the opening of the day of grace, the, the preaching of the, of the salvation, the remission of sins. What we are heralding is the end of that, the closing of the day of grace. Maybe that kind of clarifies things or, or, or brings it home a little bit more is that this will be the end of things. This last promise here, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. This is another one of those puzzle pieces, those things that you see it fits this way, but it also fits the other way too. And by that I mean, let's just read that briefly in Luke chapter 1. I've said this many times, and, and I'll say it again. I love um, the carefulness and the, the research that went into uh, Luke's account of the gospel. You know, he took, I think he took the time to find out all these things to record them. Now, he talked to, to either Zacharias has probably passed away at this point, but those that knew him heard the story. You can see he assembles the full account. He's all these pieces of the, the puzzle he's putting together. He's the only one that records this particular account of Zacharias in the temple and an angel coming to him and giving him this promise. And this is part of the promise is the angel tells him about the son that he and Elizabeth, his wife, are going to have after they're, they're past the childbearing age. He says, He shall be great in the sight of the Lord, this is verse 15, chapter 1, shall drink neither wine nor strong drink, and he shall be filled with the Holy Ghost even from his mother's womb. And many of the children of Israel shall he turn to the Lord their God. Now listen to this. And he shall go before him in the spirit and power of Elias, that's Elijah, to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just, to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. So now, aha, this... this I'm sure that 
as soon as he said that, Zechariah knew what was going on. This echo of Malachi 4, the last words that, that were given to the Jewish people that they still remember to this day. Every Passover, they set an empty place setting for Elijah because of this. I'm sure that triggered his, his ears, his thoughts, his thinking. And just like I said before, all of these puzzles, these, these things, while John the Baptist is Elijah, well, it's a multi. He is and he is not Elijah. Jesus Christ clarified that too. He said, yes, he is Elijah, but I tell you, Elijah is still to come. And so there is a fitting, not only in John the Baptist of, of, of fulfilling this prophecy or partially fulfilling it, but a, a fulfillment that's going to come at the final day when Elijah is still to come before the great and dreadful day of the Lord. I don't know how that is to happen. That's a piece we can't fit in yet. We will one day. We will understand it. Maybe it's Revelations 11, the two witnesses. We don't know. But just as I said, these puzzle pieces, we can see how they fit in time and space. They fit in our lives too. And the fitting for this is the spirit and power of Elijah. What is that? How is that a preparation for the Lord? That is, um, that is such a rich and deep topic. And uh, I don't know whether even how to touch on it other than to say this is the spirit of, of reconciliation, the spirit of repentance, the spirit that prompts us to turn towards each other and ultimately to turn towards the Lord as, a, uh, as disobedient children that now realize the wisdom of the just. You know, just like wayward children that disobey the, 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 the good teaching of their parents, we hope and pray that there's one moment, the one time that comes, that comes to them, they realize what mom and dad taught me were right. It was good. It was true. And, and I've been foolish all along. And they return to the wisdom of the just. That's the same picture that it is with us and God. And it has an implication for us as fathers and mothers, too. That we need to turn our hearts towards our children, just like God turned his heart towards us through Jesus Christ. This is the spirit of Elijah. This, this is the Holy Spirit that makes things new, makes all things new. Behold, I make all things new. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. This spirit, it prompts you to really examine the way you've been living and the relationships you've, been, you've had and the way you've treated others. This is the preparation because the Lord wants to refine. He wants to purify. He wants to sit as a refiner and a purifier of silver. And that will not happen if we are not prepared. If we do not have that Holy Spirit. Then we won't be any of his. He doesn't have any business refining and working on things that are not his. That, that don't acknowledge themselves as his property. But the sons of Levi, those that are the called, those are the ones he refines and purifies. That only happens by those who listen to the spirit of Elijah, who, who have that spirit of, of reconciliation, who won't. Oh, that was a broken relationship. I'll leave that in the past. That was something that's undone. I'm just going to, no. The spirit of Elijah, it, it, it prompts us. <laughs> I get the sense with John the Baptist that he was a, 
100% person, an all-in all person. His lifestyle, everything was extreme for that purpose, to show that. You know, he didn't, he wore camel's hair and, and a leathern girdle and ate locusts and wild honey. This is a man who didn't depend on anyone else for his clothing or his food. He was living in the desert, off the land, as it were, as this voice. And we need that same consecration, that same dedication, not to just take part of what's in the world and part of, you know, I'm going to live here comfortably a little bit. It's, a, it's an all-in proposition. May the Lord impress on our hearts the, the power of his word, the, the, the perfection of his plan. As we see not only these puzzle pieces coming together in Jesus Christ and to be fulfilled in this time, these the end times, but as we see his word working in our life, as we see it convicting us, prompting us of things that need to change, as we see its living power, it is a living word. May God grant that this word may be applied this coming week in our lives uh, as he would give us. May a, a brother please uh, find a, a hymn. We began this service by praying um, for the living word of God to have its effect. And it is a living word. Also because it affects your life. Very real, very practical. You only have to read John the Baptist's message to see it was a rubber meets the road sort of message. When, when people heard his message and they said, what shall we do? And he told them practical things, simple things that would mark a change of heart. My friend outside of Christ, I'd urge you, read. I think it's Matthew 3, some of his simple preaching. As a preparation, you want to be prepared for this Lord of glory. These are simple things to make the way straight, to be prepared for that great and, and terrible day of the Lord. It was a shocking message. It was a wake-up message that John the Baptist had. And the gospel, too, is shocking, and it should wake us up, move us out of our comfortable existence John the Baptist said, You generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And he said that to all those people that came out. It was a, a wake-up. People that, that were religious, that wanted to hear what a good preacher had to say, wanted to see what was going on. He had to, to wake them up, and, and they, that word had an effect on them. So my friend outside of Christ, the, these prophecies, these, the, John the Baptist still speaks to you today. My brother and my sister, let me close with the last uh, few verses here from Zacharias' song of praise to, to the Lord. And I want you to consider them as being directed at you. You know, he directed these words at his little newborn babe, this, this babe he was holding in his arms that he was suddenly able to speak after nine plus months of silence that the angel had said, this will be the sign to you. You'll be struck dumb because you haven't believed these things. He was silent. And then his tongue was miraculously loosed as, as um, when the child was born and he was asked what the name would, would be. And now he says these final words. He says, and thou, child, and I would say to you, you children of God, 
shalt be called the prophet of the highest. For thou shalt go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation unto his people by the remission of their sins. We are all prophets. We're all messengers in that way. To give knowledge of the Lord. Through the tender mercy of our God, whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us. What beautiful words. The day spring is that, that moment when the sun just peaks over the horizon, cracks its edge, that you know it's going to be a beautiful day. That's the day spring. Whereby the day spring from on high hath visited us, to give light to them that sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. May the Lord bless you and keep you this week as you go forth as his messengers. And my friend outside of Christ, hear the voice of warning, the voice of invitation that calls you.